0: Safeties drop really deep, handoff, Sermon over the left side, big hole, 30, first down, 25, 20, breaks a tackle, 15, 10, 5, the minister is into the end zone, preach! Mason takes the ball, fakes a handoff, fires over the middle, it's caught by Aitman, and he takes it into the end zone! He juggled it for a moment, but got it back, pistols firing, touchdown Oklahoma State's Marcel Aitman! There's more to us than that. Two receivers left, one right. Quarterback keeper here, 30-yard line, Jesse 25-20, 15-10, 5 to the goal line, touchdown! 35 yards on the run for Jesse Ertz. Turpin in motion, they fake to him, hand to Hicks, he'll walk in and score! Hit the horn with 7.39 to play in the second quarter, and the Horned Frogs now go up 13-7. Yes! thousand country stations. Yeah, we're one big country nation. That's right. So when you think about coaches in the hot seat in the Big 12, there's really only two guys that come to mind and that's David Beatty and Cliff Kingsbury. And one of those seats got incredibly hot this week. Pete Munda with you on Heartland College Sports Weekly. Always appreciate you guys joining us. Part of heartlandcollegesports.com, your independent Big 12 media outlet. Uh, Now in Kansas City, I'm doing a morning show there. Used to work in Woodward, Oklahoma. Spent some time in between in New York City at CBS and Fox and whatnot. So it's great to be here with you. You know, someone asked me the other day about how this site came about. And the reality was this. I had spent two years in New York After moving back from Oklahoma, I was still watching a ton of Big 12 football, and I was trying to think of a way to incorporate something I was doing for fun anyway into a potential small business. And that's when I thought, all right, there's really nothing out there. There's no website out there that is combining written, digital, and video to just cater to the Big 12 fan. You know, the ESPN was all over the SEC, and each of those sites have their own little um blog section for each conference but nobody was was taking in the conference day in day out they weren't doing it so that was where this whole thing started and there have been people along the way who have tried to do it and tried to emulate it um, and try to do what we do and I don't think anybody that is operating on an independent budget is doing what we're doing you know even the guys at diehards they do a fine job but let's be honest I mean, when Athlon says that Cliff Kingsbury farts on Monday nights at 8.30, they do a report on it. I mean, it's, it's kind of a joke. So I like those guys. I like a lot of what they do. But sometimes it's like, you're going to do a story on this? I mean, we give you more unique, original content than anybody else is on this conference on a shoestring budget. So uh, that's kudos to the hard work we put in. Every second I'm not working on my day job, I'm pretty much working on this website. And Matthew Postons and Derek Duke and Cam Brock, those guys are writing a ton as well for us. So um, they're believing in what we're building here, and and you are as well. And all the word of mouth you're giving this website and giving us has been unbelievably fantastic because we are um, – about to break a record for podcast downloads in a month, which is a huge thing. The radio show is doing well. Uh, the website's on fire, So, and it's all thanks to you guys, so we appreciate that. Now, as for guys on the hot seat, David Beatty's athletic director at Kansas, Shahan Zanger, was fired this week. And that tells me that if you're David Beatty and you've gone 3-33 and 33 in the past three seasons, I'd be awfully worried about my job. I'd be very nervous about my career and about my future at Kansas because you know a new AD is not going to come in there and say, you know, we won two games this year. Things are trending in the right direction. We're starting to get things going. It's heading in the proper uh, fashion of what we want to see out of this program. No, it's not. It's not. And, you know, it's not even like Kansas is at the point where you can say, well, they're close, right? They, they're, they're getting there. Think about Iowa State in year one under Matt Campbell. They had a lot of very close losses that made you say, geez, it might not happen this year, but next year we feel really good about this team. Not going 8-5 and five like they did and having a couple of top five upsets, but you said, okay, I could see this thing trending to a bold berth kind of season. There's nothing in David Beatty's history at Kansas that would make you think that this team is trending towards bowl contention. Absolutely nothing. You know, you forget last year. You forget last year that some of these games were were total blowouts. Lost to West Virginia by 22. Lost to Texas Tech by 46. Lost to Iowa State by 45. Lost to TCU by 43. Three straight games they lost by over 40 points. And these weren't against like the top of the Big 12. These were against Texas Tech, Iowa State, and TCU. Good teams, and yet TCU played in the Big 12 championship, but Texas Tech was near the bottom. Iowa State was good, but it wasn't OU. They lose to Kansas State by 10. That's their closest loss. Lose to Baylor by 29. Lose to Texas by 15. Lose to OU by 38. Lose to Oklahoma State by 41. These are horrendous losses. And nothing that you're seeing from this program even glim- gives you a glimmer of hope. And Shahan Zanger had to go. I mean he had to be fired because he was doing nothing for this football program. Yes, there was, um, you know, there are talks and and discussions about moving towards a new stadium, and new facilities. There has been money invested there. I respect that I appreciate that. But ultimately, He was brought in to be in charge and help turn around a football program. You can say the basketball program was great. It was great before Zenger got there. It was in a very good shape before Zenger walked in. He can't take credit for anything Bill Self has done. He was brought in to fix the football program, and he hired Charlie Weiss, who set the program back and did a horrible job uh, trying to piecemeal and band-aid this program with JUCOs, and in the end, he actually set it back even further, and then... Beatty was brought in at a Texas A&M, supposed to be a guy who could really recruit Texas well, and he hasn't done it. So what leads you to believe that Zanger was going to make a good decision the next time around with whoever that coach was going to be? Not me. And maybe he was hamstrung by finances. I don't know. Beatty was paid less than a million bucks a year when he came in. But it's a very attractive AD job. Because there is a want for good football. There's money from the boosters. You already have a great basketball program in place. And you're going to be hiring your own football coach. David Beatty's not going to be there in 2019. That, that's what this move tells me. Unless God will, some way, God wills this team to four wins in 2018, there's no way David Beatty's coming back. And Brett McMurphy reported the names being beat around here are former Arkansas AD Jeff Long, Oklahoma senior associate AD Kenny Mossman, Arkansas State AD Terry Mohajir, and NIU AD Sean Fraser. Now Arkansas with Jeff Long, that's a very interesting name because Arkansas fired Long in November after he had served 10 years at the position. Uh, the school had fired Coach Brett Bielema, and I don't want to jump to conclusions here, Brett, Brett, but, I'll say that seven times fast, but Brett Bielema, that's a tongue twister for you. Uh, Brett Bielema is a guy who would be very interesting at Kansas. I know he hates playing against the spread, and he and Nick Saban were two guys who tried and made a big stink about getting rid of the spread a couple years ago. But if he could do at Kansas what he did at Wisconsin, or a semblance of that, which is find the meat and potato guys in Wisconsin and get enough skill position guys from further down south to make it work, Uh, that would be a fascinating, fascinating um, pairing there. And I don't know if Jeff Long would hire Brett Bielema again because Brett Bielema's lack of success is the reason he got fired at Arkansas, but it's a very interesting name. Very interesting to see if there would be any interest in those two coming together at Kansas. And he also, hey... To his credit, Jeff Long did hire Bobby Petrino, who turned out to be a great hire for Arkansas. But then Long had to fire him for that extramarital affair he was having with a female football staffer. So that didn't work out as as Long planned. But Bobby Petrino could still be very well a highly successful head coach at Arkansas had he not screwed it up himself. So I'm intrigued by Jeff Long. Kenny Mossman, of course, at OU, is a guy I dealt with when I worked in Oklahoma. Good guy, uh, has learned under Joe Castiglione, has been with a great program, and he might be able to bring something special up to Kansas. But it's an attractive job, and it was time for Zenger to go. Everything felt stale about what Kansas was doing on the football side, and it signals to me, barring a miracle, the end of David Beatty uh, at Kansas as their head coach. He was in over his head from the start. They hired him on the cheap. It didn't make much sense, and Zenger had to pay the price because ultimately he was responsible for it. Now, outside of Beatty, Cliff Kingsbury is probably guy number two and the only other guy in the Big 12 on the hot seat. Someone asked me about Matt Rule. I don't think Matt Rule is in the hot seat. Uh, If Baylor goes on to win another one, two, three games this season, maybe we have that conversation. But this guy was being courted by the NFL this offseason after winning one game. He's going to get three-plus years there. To turn this thing around. And I think Baylor has a very good chance this fall to turn things around. Cliff Kingsbury, what's the end game here? That's what I would ask. That's what I would want to know if I'm a Texas Tech fan and if I'm trying to figure out what the game plan is for Kirby Hokut. What is the end game with Cliff Kingsbury. Is this just a situation where you've given him a big-time extension, you don't want to buy him out, so you're praying to God he turns it around? If you are, it's a losing effort because you saw how bad that Texas Tech recruiting class was a couple months ago. They can't get a single transfer to come there. I've got more on that coming up in a few minutes. But you want to talk about feeling stale, it feels incredibly stale at Texas Tech right now. And Kingsbury is being put in a spot where he doesn't know who his quarterback is, and he's going to rely on David Gibbs and his defense to keep his job. That's a scary proposition. You're Cliff Kingsbury, and you got to rely on your defense to help you keep a job The 2019. I'm not saying they should have given him an extension, but there's got to be some semblance of commitment to this guy because it's not helping the program when he's essentially a lame duck head coach, which is how it feels heading into 2018 for Cliff Kingsbury. It does on many levels. Pete Mundo with you on Heartland College Sports Weekly. Always appreciate you guys joining us. I mentioned Kingsbury. I mentioned the word transfers. There's somebody that this program should keep an eye on, but frankly, any Big 12 program should keep an eye on. A former five-star quarterback finds himself on the open market and every Big 12 team should be making a call. I'll get to that coming up next right here on Heartland College Sports Weekly. So there's a former five-star quarterback on the market, right? His name is uh, Hunter Johnson committed to Clemson a couple of years ago. He was one of the top five quarterbacks in the country. He's announced he's going to transfer. And there's a Big 12 team that has got to make a run at this guy ASAP. Pete Munda with you on Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. Always appreciate you guys joining us. That team is the Texas Tech Red Raiders. They have got to do it, and they've got to jump on it as soon as possible. Johnson apparently according to 24/7 sports Northwestern and Purdue are interested in Johnson and he's from Brownsburg Indiana so he's got ties to that upper Midwest area and it looks like he wants to go to home so to speak and I understand that and I respect that I do but there's a connection to Texas Tech which we know from a quarterback position is not in great shape the Red Raiders You know, they don't have their next Patrick Mahomes. Not that we're aware of. Is it Carter McLean? I don't know. I don't know if it is. Is it Duffy? I don't know. And while it's a long shot, the tie here is that Kevin Johns, who is now the offensive coordinator at Texas Tech, was at Indiana, where they heavily recruited Johnson back when he was in high school. So if Kevin Johns has any sway still with Hunter Johnson, the former Clemson five-star quarterback who's transferring, he has got to put all his eggs in that basket because that would give this program the jolt it desperately needs. Texas Tech, we just talked about it. Cliff Kingsbury's in the hot seat. The program feels completely stale, and it's time for him to go out and do something, anything, to make this program feel like it's a legit competitor. And I know Johnson can't play this year, but at least that would be a sales pitch for Cliff Kingsbury to keep his job to Kirby Hokut when the time comes after the 2018 season, no matter what happens. If you can land a former five-star recruit at the most important position on the football field, you've got a chance to keep your job. Right now, all that's happening uh, for Cliff Kingsbury and the Red Raiders is everybody and their grandmother is transferring out of the program, and they're in the running for a guy like Trey Watson, a grad transfer from Texas, or from California, and he ends up picking Texas over Texas Tech. And I made the pitch about why he should have picked Texas Tech and why I thought the Red Raiders were a better fit. And that was before uh, the transfers of the Marcus Felton and others. But now you look at it and you're saying to yourself, Texas Tech's a mess on offense. You got Trey King at running back. Dalian Ward's a good player, but and he led the team in rushing in 2016, but he didn't play last year. So he's going to have a phase of trying to work his way back into the mix and you're relying now on David Gibbs' defense to hold its own in 2018. That's what Cl- Cliff Kingsbury's job is down to, hoping that the defense can do enough to keep him employed. Now, if you're Hunter Johnson, I realize you're sitting there and you're saying, why would you pick Texas Tech, right? I mean, the head coach is potentially not going to be your head coach by the time you start playing in 2019. You're 1,300 miles away from home. Uh I understand all that. But sometimes you got to take a leap of faith. And I would hope that Hunter Johnson would consider Texas Tech. But heck, I mean, I would look at any Big 12 team at this point. Why not look at Iowa State? Why not look at a place like even Oklahoma with Kyler Murray? I mean, is he going to go to the Major League Baseball draft? Are they going to have potentially uh, less depth at that position than they thought? Is Texas, you know, is Sam Ellinger really your guy? Is Shane Bouchelle really your guy? I know there's a couple stud freshmen there. It's not going to happen, but just, it's an interesting concept. Will Greer, West Virginia, is going to need a quarterback likely after next season, right? And you can drive to Indiana from West Virginia. I just think that there are a ton of possibilities for Big 12 teams and Hunter Johnson if they go out there and they make a move early. Right now he's talking about Purdue and And he's talking about Northwestern. Who's the last big-time NFL quarterback that Pat Fitzgerald put together? And Jeff Brom at Purdue is a guy who almost took the Tennessee job. So how loyal is he to the Boilermakers? I'm not convinced he is. So let's see if we can get this guy to the Big 12 Conference. That would be absolutely uh, fantastic if – we could actually make that happen, and if it was a possibility. Pete Mundo on Heartland College Sports Weekly. Thanks so much, as always, for being a part of the show. You can find me on Twitter, at Pete Mundo. That's M-U-N-D-O. You can find this show, if you miss any of it, on podcast, iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play. And also, you can find the website on Twitter, Facebook. Uh, We're on Instagram as well. Just search Heartland College Sports, and you can't miss it. So each week, our guy Derek Duke... Does a great job with the mailbag. Takes your questions. He's at Derek Duke25 on Twitter. And he takes a lot of questions, which by the way, our best question of the week is now getting a free koozie. So this week it's um I think it's Kevin John or something like that who's getting our free koozie. And he asked, Who has the best tailgate experience in the Big Twelve Conference? Now, we're putting together our list of tailgates for this fall. And I can tell you with uh, pretty certainty. Now that I'm in Kansas City, I'm going to be at at least a K-State game, an Iowa State game. I'm really eyeing that Iowa State-Oklahoma game on September 15th. K-State's playing Mississippi State in week two. That's got appeal to me. I'm supposed to be down in Austin, Texas for the West Virginia game in early November. That's on my plans. And then, of course, we've got the uh, Big 12 championship game. Thus far, of all the tailgates I've seen, and I've seen a lot, I'll go through them. I've seen Baylor, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, West Virginia, and I guess four. I've seen four thus far. I'm going to see many more this, uh, this fall. That's the plan. The Big 12 championship game last year. The best I've seen so far, the West Virginia Mountaineers. Went there at the end of the 2016 season when they played Baylor at home. And while OU is great, Oklahoma State's really good, Baylor's solid, West Virginia thus far is the most fun I have had at a tailgate because those fans are wild, but they're not completely out of control. And that's what I like about West Virginia. That's the best I've seen. And I will let you know, and of course, I'm going to share the experience, if I have any different feelings after this year where we plan to be at uh, several different tailgates and hosting tailgates as well through Heartland College Sports. So we're working on some sponsorships for that right now. And you can email me if you have any ideas, Pete Mundo at heartlandcollegesports.com. If you want to dive into that and uh, get involved because we are actively preparing those schedules here over the next couple of months. I am just counting down to big 12 media days. It's like two months exactly till we get there. And I am so desperate to to, uh, get that done and make that happen as soon as possible. So stay tuned. It's going to be fun. So final few minutes here on Heartland College Sports Weekly. I'm Pete Mundo. It's great to be here with you as always. And uh, once again, if you miss any of the show, just go to heartlandcollegesports.com. You can listen to it there or download it iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play by just searching for Heartland College Sports. So, uh, you know, I'm always looking for something to do this time of year when there's not a lot going on. You're trying to figure out what exactly um, you're going to talk about, you're going to write about. All those good things. And I put together a list of one player from each Big 12 team that, you know, you can always list the quarterback, right? You can always say, well, the quarterback's the most important player on the team. Of course he is. But who is one player from each Big 12 team that's a little bit under the radar who needs to have a good year for the respective teams to succeed and to thrive? And for me, I went down the list here. I went just in alphabetical order. For Baylor, that team is Jalen Hurd, the Tennessee transfer. If he can go out there at 6'4", 225, he was a running back at Tennessee. If he can have a big year at wide receiver, man, that totally changes the offensive weapons for Charlie Brewer and that offense. And you add him to wide receivers like Denzel Mims and Chris Platt and running backs like Jamichael Hasty and John Lovett, all of a sudden... That offense has some nice pizzazz to it. So I am fascinated to see if Jalen Hurd can help transform that offense. It would be a huge plus for what's going on there in Waco with Matt Rule and Charlie Brewer. Iowa State, Willie Harvey, the linebacker, he's been a multi-year starter. You've got to replace Joel Lanning, not just production-wise, but heart and leadership-wise. I don't know if Willie Harvey can do the latter, but I do know that this is a guy with a ton of experience, who's been through the ups and downs at Iowa State, and has the ability, if he wants to, to take on that role. So that's who I'm watching there for Iowa State. Kansas Daniel Wise at defensive tackle. If you recall, Dorrance Armstrong did not have a great season last year. He had, what, the 15-plus sacks uh, two years ago. Then he kind of backed off this past season because def- or offensive lines were focused on him so heavily. So now with Armstrong gone, is Daniel Wise going to be the guy who had a big year last year production-wise, better than Armstrong, but now teams are focused on him. And if that defensive line can't hold its own, then you know, forget it, because Kansas has to play defense to have a chance this fall. We all realize that. K-State, Duke Shelley, I interviewed him after the spring game, and he was the first defender out of the locker room per Bill Snyder's request to talk to the media. That tells me that Bill Snyder's put a lot of pressure on him To lead that defensive unit and that secondary, that was one of the worst in the Big 12 last season. If we're being honest, unlike a typical Kansas State team, they gave up a ton of passing yards last year, and that has got to be improved on. If you're the uh, Wildcats in 2018, where the offense should actually be pretty darn good. Oklahoma may be obvious to some of you, but Rodney Anderson. No more Baker Mayfield. Kyler Murray is he here? Is he going to the baseball draft? What the heck's he doing? That running back position for Lincoln Riley is going to be more important than ever. And I know there's a lot of depth there between Anderson, Trey Sermon, a couple other guys. But I want to see whether or not Anderson, who's dealt with injuries in the past, can build on that workload from 2017 and continue it because he doesn't have a track record of consistently staying healthy. So let's see what he's got moving forward. Oklahoma State, Tyron Johnson, the wide receiver from LSU, who transferred in uh, two years ago, sat out 16, played 17, only had 16 catches. I know it's a crowded field at wide receiver, but now with um, Marcel Aitman gone, James Washington gone, Johnson's got to step up and be the guy that people thought he was going to be last season when he showed up in Stillwater and was going to play. So I want to see if he can uh, turn it up a notch and be that guy that people expected when he came into town. Running back for Texas, Trey Watson. Just came in from Cal, grad transfer. Picked the uh, Longhorns over Texas Tech. And anything to get Sam Ellinger away from running the ball 100 times this season would be a good thing. That should start with Trey Watson. He's a dual-threat guy out of the backfield. He can run, he can pass... Not pass. He can run, he can catch the ball. Maybe he can pass, I don't know. But he certainly can... uh, can do a little bit of everything, and that should be a big help for whoever's going to be the quarterback at Texas. TCU, give me Ty Summers, the linebacker. You've got to replace Traven Howard, his nine tackles per game. That was third in the Big 12 last season. A couple other key defensive pieces have graduated, so let's see if Ty Summers can lead that unit for Gary Patterson. Texas Tech, Dalian Ward, we mentioned him earlier in the show. He led Tech in rushing two years ago as a freshman. He was not on the program last season. He's back with transfers of Desmond Nisby and Demarcus Felton, Dallion Wards, as important as it gets for the Red Raiders this season, especially with question marks at quarterback. And then at West Virginia, you dive into what's going on with Jabril Robinson at defensive tackle. A Clemson transfer, they need help desperately on that side of the ball, especially on the line. If he can help clog those gaps, then West Virginia is going to be in a much better spot because last year that run defense was the worst in the Big 12, over 200 yards per game. And they have to fix that to have a chance with Will Greer to take the Big 12 Conference in a wide open season. Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports Weekly. You guys are the best. Thanks so much for following us. Go into heartlandcollegesports.com. We'll talk to you next week, same time, same place, right here on Heartland College Sports Weekly thousand country stations yeah we're one big country nation that's right